0: You're listening to Talk Daredevil, the official podcast of the Save Daredevil campaign.
1: Hey everybody, Uh, welcome back to a new episode of our new Daredevil podcast, Talk Daredevil. I am super stoked to be joined by some different members of our team. Um, I'll start out by introducing myself again. I'm Phyllis. Uh, you've heard me on the first two episodes, and I'm going to let the rest of the team introduce themselves now.
2: Hi, I'm Casey. Hey, I'm Rhiannon. Um, you may have heard me before on other podcasts uh, talking about Daredevil and all things Marvel, um, mostly at Marvel News Desk.
0: Hey, I'm Christina. Uh, you might have seen me if you've seen our... Team Safe Daredevil panel from Safe Daredevil Con.
1: And today we are coming together to talk about the future of mature Marvel TV. Obviously, there's been a lot of changes at Disney, at Marvel. And obviously with this whole campaign's existence, you know, we are doing a lot of work to try to figure out What's going to be the best way to see our show come back? But, you know, we're going to maybe take a quick break from just talking Daredevil and um, have a fun discussion about what we all want to see um, coming from Marvel, um, specifically with the mature content. So, you know, I think a good place for us to start would be looking back at what we did get from the previous age of mature Marvel. and um, since you are our resident expert, I'd love to throw it to you first.
2: Sure. So... Um... So what we thought we would start with is some look at what mature Marvel has been in the past. Right now, everything at Marvel is with Marvel Studios, which is what we think of as the more family-friendly, for-everybody type stuff, like the Avengers movies, the um, all of the movies, basically. And going on a... Uh, on the TV side, it looks like they're following in the footsteps of those movies with Falcon and Winter Soldier and the Loki series and WandaVision, or sorry, WandaVision, <laughs> I like calling was, it WandaVision before I, it was
1: I love I, I I the French version of
2: the title. <laughs> yes, I like, I, I, sorry, that was like a little inside joke on my other podcast with WandaVision. <laughs> um... <laughs> you know so so it looks like all of that is going to be on that family friendly you know Disney plus we know is going to be family friendly but in the past Marvel has had adult content or more mature content even though they still have had some very some some lines that they would not cross so what they have had in the past um i mean they still have Marvel television still has a few remnants that are out there that are of a more mature matter. They have Hellstrom, which is probably going to only have one season on Hulu. And this is... And Marvel has kind of taken their name off of it. It's not being advertised as Marvel's Hellstrom. Yeah, I find that
1: very interesting.
2: Yeah. But it is like one of those last remnants of Marvel television, live action, very dark, a horror um, show. And from what I... From what I'm sort of hearing from folks that have gotten screeners is that it is very horror. It is, it is very dark. Um, and that it's probably no coincidence that Marvel took their name off of it, but it is Marvel. And it is the type of stuff that Marvel Television was previously okay with having their name on. There's still some animated series coming. There was the whole Offenders universe that they were creating on Hulu with animated series. So when Marvel Television was dissolved... They seem to have this limit of if it had been so far into production, they continued and did the whole season. if it you know was still in the outline stages, if the episodes hadn't been written, if nothing had been filmed, it was scrapped. So two of those four shows are still evidently happening and going to be seen by the world. But those were somewhat adult cartoons was was what they were going for with those. They had um, I mean, we're going to have modok and hit monkey right yes
1: modok is the one that's going to be they're going to do a panel for that at new york comic-con so it must be coming out soon um i would imagine um and then hit monkey at the top of this year when they officially kind of um canceled dazzler and Tigra, which was one of the ones that did not make the cut they said that hit monkey was still in development but we haven't heard
2: any updates about it since then okay so and eh. one of the, the the fourth one that was in that was going to be uh howard the duck written by kevin smith just to give mm-hmm. you like the level i think a lot of people can visualize what a kevin smith level of maturity is and that was sort of the level of maturity that those shows were going to have actually i think um,
1: dazzler and Tiger was chelsea handler she was involved in that one oh, so okay. again it was this sort of like this bar yeah. yeah
2: yeah it was a little different than bringing lin-manuel miranda on board <laughs> and Just bleeping a few of the more mature words. um, And then the other, just the other Marvel television mature, well, I mean, like on live, live action, there were a lot of, there were some that made it on TV, but the one that didn't make it on TV of these um, recent was there was, and for some reason this fell into Marvel television just because of the way the rights were weird as far as who had animated content and who had live action content. But Marvel Television had actually, wor- actually worked on an animated had worked on an animated Deadpool series with um, Donald Glover, and evidently it was going to be on Adult Swim. It was going to be same tone sort of as the Deadpool movie, but you could do far more with cartoons. And that one got scrapped when Marvel Television was still Marvel Television. We don't entirely know what got it scrapped. But there again, that was a mature direction that Marvel Television was previously heading in. And those are some ideas of ways that um, we could expect to see Marvel Television. I mean, also, if we want to go into what did make it to the screens, we had Legion on FX. That was Marvel Television.
1: Yes, that was kind of, or, it was in a league of its was, own.
2: Yeah, Marvel was involved. No, sorry. That was a Marvel property, but it was still owned by Fox then. So it wasn't Marvel Television. But it, um, you know, it, it was an adult show. It was completely unaffiliated with anything, no interconnectivity, which we'll talk about later. What we are all familiar with, and if you're listening to this podcast, is the Defenders Verse on Netflix. <laughs> that's so the reason I'm, why we're all here yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. if you haven't watched yet yeah you should probably check it out and why are you even listening to this podcast
3: you should check but, it out sign the petition then listen to us
2: <laughs> that's right right in that order
0: Yes.
1: but yeah i mean it's interesting to hear you kind of recount all these things re because it's a really interesting range you know i i think when i think about and if, we'll get into this further down the line but when i think about what Marvel seems to be moving forward with now, it's a lot of kind of a certain flavor, you know, that is associated with the MCU and kind of what you think about when you think about the MCU. And so just hearing kind of all these different types of shows and all the different types of characters and teams they were able to bring on, even if it never happened, you know, even if it never got a, out of development, you know, it shows it shows more of a range and maybe not risk taking necessarily, but there was just room. There was room to explore and be creative with Marvel properties. And let's face it, like Marvel has got it's a candy store of ideas and characters and things that you can do um, from here. We can maybe talk about like just the dearth of mature Marvel live action, you know, other than Hellstrom and these two animated shows, you know, there feels like there is just a considerable lack of Marvel presence um, when it comes to this mature area of um, the superhero genre. And this is an area where we see all these brands just running in to this corner, especially, I mean, obviously DC is up there, but, you know, the other platforms are making huge bets on superhero shows and We can talk a little bit more about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you look at uh, shows like Preacher, you look at shows like The Boys, uh, these are shows that they yeah, maybe they catered to a niche audience, but people ate them up and they wanted more. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that right now, except for Hellstrom, we don't see anything coming out in that kind of vein from Marvel. And you know, when you were talking about mature Marvel TV, I know that these shows didn't have a TV MA rating, but I feel like The Runaways and Cloak and Dagger both went darker, certainly, than what we saw on the big screen. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., every time they got a later time slot, they got darker. Again, never to the level that we saw in The Defenders, but it seemed like they were kind of dipping their toes in the water a little bit over there.
3: Yeah, I never realized that until you just said that, Christina. Um, about S.H.I.E.L.D., you're absolutely right, now that I'm thinking about it. Was that but season four? It got a little four, darker. What,
1: was season four the Ghost Rider season?
0: They are all mixed up in my mind, I <laughs> They think are all mixed up in my mind. That
2: because, sounds around the right time period. Yeah.
1: Because mm-hmm. that was the first time they, they moved the time slot back, right?
0: Yeah, and then all of a sudden you had Ghost Rider who he was out there and talking about how he killed a teacher because he was a pedophile. You know, they started going into things that you just did not see on the big screen.
2: However, when we look at the future of Marvel movies, Marvel studios on Disney plus, there is some hint of them going in these darker directions with Dr. Strange, the multiverse of madness is, Mm -hmm. is going to go into the (laughs) multiverse and supposedly was going to have a more of a horror vibe though. They did, you know, uh, the director left that, so it's possible that it was a change in you know tone or creative differences. But I think also that dearth we're never going to get, or uh, what we are currently seeing, nothing on the slate is going to be a Joker movie. Um, nothing on the slate is going to be even as dark as a Batman movie. Uh, we, we were talking like Batman, when we look over at what DC is doing, you are never going to have a Batman property that isn't a little dark. And I think that's super relevant to Daredevil fans because Daredevil and Batman are very closely related. They're very similar characters.
3: Yeah, even the Batman cartoon, the animated series from the early 90s was dark, like not only just visually, but the content. I just rewatched it over quarantine just because we needed something to do. And I, I, re- I was chatting with a friend. And she's like, oh, no, I still can't watch it. It scares me. And it's a kid's cartoon that is not scary, but the tone of it is very Batman. Yeah. And you I can't think,
2: have Batman and not be a little scary. Right.
3: <laughs> he can't really be, you know, super duper friendly because then it just kind of ruins the aura of Batman.
0: I also think that there are some characters in the Marvel world as well. are just They're just not going to work with uh, a lighter touch, with a PG-13 or tamer rating. I was just having this conversation with someone about, uh, they were saying, well, you know, you could do a PG-13 Heroes for Hire, and you probably could. And as uh, we heard about during Save Daredevil Con with the fabulous Discussing Daredevil panel, there are runs in the Daredevil comics where Matt is happy and things are not all dark and dreary, um, where he's, I think, swinging on his way to work just smiling and being happy um but there are some properties that just aren't going to work you cannot have a pg-13 jessica jones we've (laughs) seen what happens when you try to make a pg-13 punisher it is not pretty that's something to think about too the fact that some characters just won't work in that kind of smiley happy light-hearted vein
3: and i really i'm interested why i mean i know why marvel is very much trying to go in this family-friendly direction they're owned by disney and that's gonna get them the most money. But the Netflix series is what brought me to comics, for example, and and some people as well. Um, I watched all the MCU movies. I thought they were cool, yeah, and then I moved on with my life, and then I watched Daredevil, and now it owns my pocketbook. (laughs) And now I'm with you guys trying to fight to save this show. So obviously it's not, a more mature can bring in a different audience. And it can be on a different streaming service, and it can be different, you know, and I think that,
2: you know, that'll bring in the Bucks, too. So, also looking over at what DC has, because we could compare, like, the Marvel movies to Joker and Batman and the stuff that DC has put in theaters, Justice League. Um, And I don't think that's a very fair comparison in general. Like, they are two completely different universes. But... And that can be like a whole world of conversation. But I think also the important thing is to look at what you can explore in a TV show. And I think like part of what you're saying as far as like how invested we are in this world, yes, you can go and enjoy a movie and be invested in that world. And especially when you create 20 plus movies, I think 24 movies that are all in the same world and connect and and bring this along. But we've had 42 hours of Daredevil? I mean, we've had 36 episodes of Daredevil. Wait, no, 39. This is what I get trying to do math off the top of my head. But anyways. um, Don't look at me, I'm bad at math. (laughs) Yeah, we have... (laughs) That sounds good, 39. (laughs) Three seasons. No, it's still... Anyways, we have three full seasons of Daredevil and then the full season of The Defenders, all with this character. We know him, we can get into his dark places. We can we can see these side characters and get to know them very well. And it makes us more invested in that world. Now, uh, Marvel Studios is going over on Disney. You know, like I said, they have these series that they're going to do. They're still going to be rather short series. And we will probably get more invested in those characters as we watch them. But on the DC side, they've gone that way as well. I, I If you haven't watched the stuff on DC Universe or now on HBO Max, like Doom Patrol, that... That show is very mature. I mean, very mature. I mean, they have transgendered inanimate objects that, you know, that they go into. They have people exploring uh, homosexuality. They have people exploring ruined relationships. They have, they they dive into who was chosen to be immortal and who wasn't. There's abortion. There's, there's demon. I don't know. There's, it just goes so many mature places. I have, that, that. Really, if you're just trying to throw it in a movie, it would, it would be, I think sometimes those more mature subjects, they need time for you to see the reasons why you need to see the complexities or else it is just crass. It is just doing things for shock value and, and moving along. I mean, that isn't to say, I mean, the Joker movie was very much acclaimed, widely acclaimed, you know, it got Oscar nominations. It got an Oscar win. but. I didn't enjoy it. I know a lot of people that didn't enjoy it. I, I, I feel that it's the type of thing that if the character, if we'd really gotten to know them through a slow burn series, it also would have been stronger. So I think I touched on a couple subjects there, but I just wanted to go on. Like I think the mature content deserves television rather than a dark movie here or there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, actually, this is a bit of a tangent, but I do remember, I don't know who it was, maybe one of those insider accounts, they were maybe talking about Loki or WandaVision, probably, but they were remarking at how just how excited they were for um, how the show was unfolding behind the scenes and just the world building. It's, it's incredible. It's amazing. It's nothing you've ever seen before from Marvel Studios in a film, which reminds me of this point, like, yes, that's that's what you get from television. That's Mm -hmm. what you got from the three seasons of Daredevil, from all the seasons. You know, whether or not you loved each of the Netflix Marvel shows, you know, you can't deny that it didn't come with just a sense of character building and world building that you just cannot get in a two-hour movie. So, you know, this might be a good a good place to transition into what are like what's our wish list like what do we actually want to see from marvel um you know this has been just a really interesting time of shifts obviously with the acquisition of fox you know they have a lot more of their toys back in their toy box to play with um marvel tv kind of being shut down and now it's marvel's TV studios, I believe, is technically the television branch of Marvel Studios. We don't really know what, if they're going to be its own thing or if it's still just the Marvel Studios shows, right? And, you know, we know that Kevin Feige is chief creative officer and he kind of is, I don't know if he's the be all end all, probably the be all end all about what they're going to move forward with. Um, Probably. (laughs) So, so yeah, so let's kind of hear like, what do we want to see if Marvel were to tackle more mature. content again?
0: I think one of the things that drew me to the Netflix universe was the interconnectivity within those shows, but not necessarily a connection to the films on screen. I felt like it was uh, just a different corner of the same universe. And I really love that. I know a lot of people have talked about tone and how, you know, the tone of the Netflix shows don't just They just don't mesh with the tone of the films in the mcu and my answer to that is right now in my town somewhere there is someone struggling to figure out how they're going to feed their kids and next door there is someone playing with their toddler and laughing and singing funny elmo songs life is complicated the actual universe is complicated and has all of these different facets so why can't the mcu i don't see a problem with that and I think one of the reasons that The Defenders shows, with varying degrees of success, but I think one of the reasons why the storytelling was so strong was they did not handcuff themselves to what was going on on the big screen. They were able to kind of say, yeah, okay, so the Avengers happened and that was interesting. But anyway, here's my story, because that is how life works.
3: It felt very human. like. I could walk out of my house and i could you know if i lived in new york and i lived in that particular part of town luke cage could walk down the street um jessica jones could punch me in the face i mean (laughs) it felt very real and human and i could actually relate to these characters in some way i love a good blockbuster who doesn't like it but i feel like in a weird way the defenders verse characters could be my friends i could have a beer with the punisher maybe i don't maybe. know he kind of still scares me <laughs> but i loved the 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 down to earth quality of these of these characters and the way that they were brought to the screen, yeah there's still some superhero magic-y elements that it happens in in comics and you just have to suspend reality for that moment. I would really love to see that again in in a more mature Marvel television series.
2: I think on that same note, Casey, there's also like when you look at, after watching like a lot of Netflix series, and especially like the Defenders verse, and then I go and I watch like the Marvel movies, to me the women characters are so much more real. They have so much more natural makeup. They're not Preach it, Ray. Preach it. you don't have <laughs> yeah, I mean you don't have like 15-year-olds with false eyelashes. You don't I mean whenever I go from watching like these series to watching either network television or or the Marvel movies, there's just a element... of Of realness in the women. Mm -hmm. Not that there isn't work that still could be done in the Defenders verse and in making the women a little more real, but I think there is just like something about the makeup and all of that and showing people having flaws. I mean, I think overall showing people have flaws, but like women in practical shoes and practical makeup are like a big thing.
0: You know, I'm thinking about the very first moment we met Karen Page. And yeah. Deborah Ann Wall is a beautiful woman. She is absolutely gorgeous, okay? But when she was sitting in that police station, Her eyes were red rimmed. She looked like crap. And I love the fact that they were willing to go there that, yeah, she she's just been arrested for killing someone. She's been drugged. She is not going to have her hair looking great. And I I really applauded that. And that made me feel much more like this is really happening.
3: I really liked that the women on the show didn't seem like they were put on a pedestal and goddess like Uh, they were very down to earth. And real. And, um, you know, they weren't all damsels in distress. They had distressing moments, yes. But they weren't, help me, oh, how can I ever, will it ever
2: happen to me? So maybe you need a mature universe for people to accept that women aren't, um you know, t- t- to push those boundaries in women. And I think also the other side, just to sort of segue that into the other area, is um, television is the only place that we've gotten true LGBT, QIA+, plus representation in Marvel. I mean, there was one gay side character in Endgame, but... Was it really a
1: gay side character if... It only shows up. He only shows up for like, up or, for, like two
2: minutes. <laughs> how about a gay cameo. A, a gay, gay cameo. Like, I think that a might be a gay one-liner. A, <laughs> like, that would be a more fair assessment. <laughs> there was a gay one-liner. There was, you know, like, the brush passing of homosexuality yeah. and in-game. Um, I applauded whereas... Jessica
3: Jones with her transgendered um, assistant. Yes, that oh, was huge. That was wonderful.
1: Which I think it, it kind of gets um, a little bit overlooked just because at that point, everyone knew the show was canceled. So I think it just didn't really make it as big a splash. But yeah, I mean, they were definitely heading, you know, again, if, if you want to judge uh, Marvel Netflix kind of as a whole, obviously over, you know, there were definitely moments where there could have been more work put in. But as a whole, and as you saw them progress through more seasons of the show, you could see them trying more things and really making a bigger push Um to have just these types of characters wrapped, and so it's a little bit unfortunate that that got cut yeah. short but obviously I think you know that's that is a criticism I hear a lot when it comes to Marvel and you know to kind of go back to comparing to DC even though I'll say now that I don't watch a lot of the DC TV shows but I know that that is one area that they seem to have always done better about they've always foregrounded um, underrepresented types of characters. Maybe someone can correct me if I'm wrong, though. That's kind of just the impression I get when I read up on those shows or I see those shows being talked about.
0: I haven't seen everything uh, in the DC television universe, but I've seen a bunch. And that was one of the things that stuck out to me. It's like, okay, you on The Flash, on Arrow, on Legends of Tomorrow, you have gay characters. and uh, it's And it's never made a big thing oh my god they're gay it's never a thing it's it's just casually barry is talking to the police captain and the police captain says oh my fiance won't let me eat burgers at home he says it's bad for me you know and then you you meet the fiance and it's never it's never shown us this is weird it's just yeah this is just life and i really appreciated that now in our own show we really didn't get that um but I in the rest of the Defenders, being. there no. was there was a one-off kind of joke line with the uh, the pervy pawn shop broker saying, with this police scanner, you could pick up the mayor banging his boyfriend. That is the absolute only thing that I can remember um, in our show. But, Which is almost derogatory. Yeah, it is. I it, it, it isn't really yeah. a great example. So yeah, our show could have done better than that. But certainly, uh, Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. Just the decision to gender bend Jerry Hogarth and make her out, and the uh, the casting for is her name Jillian in season three of Jessica Jones. I think it was Jillian. That sounds yeah like
2: it. And that's the type of the that's the type of representation that I've been hearing is important. And I mean, like I I say this as a white cis woman, like mm. you know. But what I've been hearing is that like. The goal is to get to that point where you have a random role of a receptionist that could be played by anybody, and you choose to fill it with somebody that provides representation and not make a big deal of it, and it not be something that's called out, and it not be that whatever makes that person a marginalized community is their whole identity, and I think that was a wonderful job that they did with that character, was Mm -hmm. just a sort of normalization of that, that that they did a lot of in Jessica Jones. I mean, Jessica Jones yeah. had a very progressive showrunner that that's career just sort of took off because of, I mean, you know, after Jessica Jones, the reason we knew season three was the finale of that was that she had this huge deal elsewhere to produce material. And hopefully some of her role in promoting these marginalized communities was part of that.
0: And you know, I think it's interesting, even with the Defenders-verse, as the shows went on, they started daring to do more and more. And uh, something we learned with our Safe Daredevil Con conversation with Steven tonight and Eric Olson was that Netflix was pretty cool with pushing the boundaries and it was Marvel who was kind of reining them in. Because you know we did get that word that Jessica Jones was not allowed to say, we got the Punisher saying it. Uh, we got some male nudity in both the Punisher and Luke Cage. We got some pretty brutal violence on uh, pretty much all the shows. Um, I guess Iron Fist didn't have that much that was exceptionally brutal, but on the rest of them, we've got some pretty brutal violence. And I feel like I should say, just for myself personally, it's not that you know I'm like I'm not going to watch the show unless it's brutally violent. That's not the point. The point to me is the violence was such an important facet of Matt's character he was struggling with it himself. And so we had to see it in order to see what his internal struggle was about it.
3: And the violence wasn't over the top. I mean, you could say Punisher was a little bit over the top with the violence, but you have to, I mean, with the Punisher, it's it's ingrained with the character. But the violence felt real and realistic in Daredevil, for example.
0: Well, something that's interesting Casey you just talked about how the violence seemed realistic. We've also seen what happens in superhero films, TV shows when the violence isn't realistic. When it is over the top where it borders on goofy or weird or for shock value. And you know we see that with Deadpool. We see that with Preacher. We see that a little bit with the boys. Where it is definitely not supposed to be taken all that seriously. So. A mature rating doesn't necessarily mean just one tone. I mean, like the Howard the Duck show that was being planned, that was not going to feel like Daredevil. That was not going to feel like The Punisher. That was going to feel very much like its own thing. So even within this mature TV we want to see, it doesn't have to be just one tone.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And that's really something I just really want to see Marvel Studios and Feige take some chances there. You know, I think I think we can acknowledge that he has done an incredible job creating something that's very one of a kind. But, you know, when I think about when I think about what's coming up on Disney Plus. So, you know, I'm a parent. I have two kids. I have Disney Plus. Um, We use it fairly often. I am following like their social media accounts. So I kind of know what new stuff they have coming up here and there. And whenever I hear about like the new stuff coming out on that platform, it's just like I don't know. It's just very like blah to me. It's like very one note because it's most most of it's meant for kids. Um, A lot of it is meant for families. I know there are these shows that are going to come from Marvel Studios with Falcon and Winter Soldier, WandaVision, Loki. And then the other stuff they have planned kind of on the other side of that with Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, etc. But it all still feels like. Is this all going to be still that that same feeling I get when I think about the MCU? When I think about PG thirteen, something that the whole family can watch together. I I, th- I think about the two things that kind of come to mind um, when I think about like what's been popular on Disney Plus, and it's I guess it's been The Mandalorian, which Baby Yoda. <laughs> we gave Casey a shout out in the previous episode, and she gets to come <laughs> here and talk all about
2: Baby Yoda. Just kidding.
3: This is um, now the Baby Yoda podcast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but well, you know, but I think it is worth to talk about the Mandalorian a little bit yeah. later. I, yes.
1: I remember all the hype surrounding the Mandalorian came from this idea that like this is gonna be like some gritty, more mature Star Wars, you know. And in a way, it was. In a way, it was. But within the but, would whatever <laughs> in we its ever, own way. In its own way, but it's still very much Disney Plus. That and that's something we talked about in a previous episode. Just. The Disney Plus brand will always be it, it, it. will always kind of go for the broadest appeal. But again, to kind of go back to the point I was trying to make, you know, the, the Mandalorian was a huge one, and if and again, it felt like it was trying to be pushed toward the slightly older audience. And in its own way, Hamilton was sort of this show that also has a has a family appeal but was a slight was kind of directed toward the adults you know it wasn't just for the kids it shouldn't just be for the kids if he, if if disney wants to be competitive if marvel wants to be competitive with dc if disney wants to be competitive with netflix and hbo amazon prime they are going to have to expand, expand their contents. Like they're going to have to expand into mature. From a business standpoint, I don't entirely understand why, why you would ignore such a lucrative segment of the audience, the parents that are paying for Disney Plus for their kids. And, or, you know, they, they probably pay for Hulu too, if they got the bundle, you know, but they want to get content too. I want to get content that's targeted to me and not just to my kids. And so I will pay more money to add a platform if Disney were to, you know, add stuff on Hulu, I would pay for a Hulu platform to watch mature Marvel show. I would watch mature shows that come from Disney, elsewhere so you know I feel
3: the same way yeah
1: just just from a business standpoint I feel like that's where I really want to see Marvel take some risks because there's money to be made there you know
2: well and I feel like today when we're comparing all of these mature Marvel mature comic based shows like preacher and I mean I feel like in the past week I've compared the Umbrella Academy to the boys so many times Mm -hmm. but when Daredevil season one came out they were comparing it to the wire they were comparing it to these very mature cable network shows that you would find on amc fx these cable providers which hbo sort of, which is yeah, like, hbo at the top. yeah you know it wasn't being compared to other comic-based shows and i think that's where you know i i think if marvel could take some of these darker more adult properties the the marvel Knights properties and stuff and turn them into adult shows that could go back to to being compared, you know, where people don't even realize they're based on comics until maybe somebody mm-hmm. shows these outrageous powers. That that market is still there. I mean, mm-hmm. after season 11 of The Walking Dead, it's going to finally go away. And, and I mean, they still have all these spinoffs that are going to be going. But I think there is a current dearth of shows like Breaking Bad, The Wire, you know, these these shows that people can watch and get invested and that are definitely mature without maybe I mean, even without like using the F word over and over even without like full frontal nudity, you can be mature without crossing all of those lines. And now that Disney owns FX, which also goes direct to Hulu, that is a perfect place for them to sort of branch out and do that.
0: And you know, if Disney is thinking about not only audience but critical acclaim. Mm-hmm. If you look at shows that win Emmys, they're they're mature. Yes, you will occasionally get a drama that is not rated T V MA winning for best series. But you know, you were mentoring all those you mentoring Breaking Bad and The Wire and Game of Thrones and uh, the Handmaid's Tale when people what do all of those shows have in common? They're all mature. Um, this isn't to say that Emmy winners are all like that. I know The Mandalorian is nominated, and I'm still a little bit confused about that. Like, I like that show a lot, I did not think it was a masterpiece. So it is really interesting that those shows tend to get nominated and tend to win. So if that's something that matters to Disney, they have to look at that. For the record, I enjoy the PG-13 Marvel films. I've enjoyed most of the other shows that they've put out that did not have a hard rating. It's not like I feel like it has to have a hard rating or I'm not going to watch it. I love that I can take my daughter to the movies to see Captain Marvel. I took her to the movies to see Guardians. I love that I can share that with her. And I also love that when she's upstairs at night, my husband and I can put on something harder and enjoy something that makes us think, that really makes us a little bit uncomfortable because um, we live in an uncomfortable world and it's really great to be able to explore those themes without any kind of danger to our actual selves. So I'm looking for both and we deserve both, that's it. We deserve both
2: my credit card can pay for both well your credit card but i think an important thing is the worldwide to make these 100 million dollar movies 200 million dollar movies they have to make that money back worldwide and i think when you get offensive that limits the number of people that are going to watch it there again goes to lower budget markets yeah, you know, yes, you're not going to dominate the world and make billions of dollars on something that's mature and edgy, but there are markets for it. You can win Emmys with it. Mm-hmm. You can you can go that direction with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, ultimately
1: the bottom line is Disney's not doing this to have fun. They want to eventually command the market, you know, and we did have this whole conversation in a previous episode about how everyone is catching up to Netflix right now. Um, And one way Disney can catch up is to broaden the range of content they're creating and, Taking advantage of the fact that they have Marvel um, as one of their brands, you know. Um, even thinking about like, you know, there was a whole conversation about with Blade and Moon Knight. I, I don't know if Moon Knight's supposed to be Phase Four, or Phase Five, but Blade is definitely supposed to be Phase Five. I think they they are introducing characters that I think most people initially thought would have been more appropriate as mature properties. And knowing Marvel Studios' approach. Things right now is not mature, you know that there is a bit of like a like a disconnect there. I would love to see maybe some reworking of those plans if there is enough time to make some shifts. You know that's the thing. There's been so many unexpected changes this year without coronavirus happening. I think it would have already been a little bit tumultuous for Disney and Marvel just because of all the changes kind of at the top levels. But with the coronavirus and everything happening with COVID specifically, I think there there is kind of a an opportunity to hopefully like take a quick break and maybe reassess what some of those plans were you know i think we were um i saw a tweet that was shared by someone on the team um about just uh i'm gonna actually i think i have it pulled up and i'm gonna quote it because i don't want to mess it up but um this person says um it's interesting how the mc's biggest strength Interconnected, sequential, cross-platform storytelling is now its biggest weakness. And in the pandemic, delaying one project has a ripple effect narratively throughout the MCU. And, you know, we've heard rumors that, like, they might just need to push all of Phase 4 into next year, which we don't know if that's actually true or not, you know. This ripple effect on the storytelling and just everything being so tied together, you know, one... Why not allow your world to breathe and have stories that can just be adjacent to that, be adjacent to the MCU universe and plug into that universe when it needs to and then plug back out when it doesn't. And why not consider a Marvel Knights level of that universe where you can bring Blade and Moon Knight and hopefully when the rights of the Defenders comes back, bring some of those guys in and and create sort of that mature echelon of programming and movies and TV shows that can be happening around you know that core mcu world you know i just think this is a great opportunity for them to just you know kind of look at i we know these guys plan out their slates like years in advance why not use it as an excuse to just find a slightly different way of doing things and just a way that you know again selfishly for me that would include marvel mature content again i believe i talked about this specifically but i i really believe that people's loyalty right now or it's not to platforms you know people are not necessarily loyal to netflix or to amazon or even to disney plus you know they are loyal to the brand ip and marvel has a ton of amazing ip and if they make that content people will come and watch it
3: i love a good reference every now and again it's it's fun to go oh that's from that movie and and I'm slow, so it takes me like three times of watching it. Um, but yeah, we don't need an exact, you know, play-by-play of another movie in, in the Defenders verse or any of it. It a, a reference is great, but we, as you stated, Phyllis, very eloquently, it kind of messed things up this time.
0: You know, it's, it's so funny. Um, Disneyland has a meet-and-greet where you can meet Spider-Man. And I don't know if it's still there, I haven't been since November, clearly, but uh, they had a little um, newspaper machine with a copy of the Daily Bugle and it had different headlines on the Daily Bugle. One of those headlines was Hell's Kitchen Lawyers Help Harlem Hero. And there were no names. That was it. It was just the headline. But that was just this wonderful way where those of us who get it were thrilled and excited and so happy to see it. And people who didn't get it just walked on by. And those are the kind of references I think can be done easily and cheaply without messing up any kind of continuity. You could still have this little level of connectivity without being handcuffed to another narrative. I know it's a contro—it's a slightly controversial topic, I'm
1: sh- I think, in the fandom about what's canon and what's not and how connected it needs to be i can only say again from my own as my own opinion as an individual fan i don't i don't need this interconnectivity with every single thing feeding into each other
2: i think that's also true for the people that marvel has not yet reached Mm -hmm. i mean when we talk about reaching into these mature markets when we talk about going after the breaking bad type markets the 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 folks that watch these darker cable television shows, they're not the same people. I mean, they're not always the same people. I mean, there's always going to be overlaps in this. I'm not going to say everybody that watches The Wire never watched the Marvel movies, but there is still an untapped market that hasn't... There are people out there that haven't watched these movies, that haven't followed this universe. And they will not care. So, yeah, you can throw in the references to, you know, the incident. And you can throw in things that that matter in the overarching universe. You can have somebody on the in Greenwich Village that has mysterious magical powers without ruining it for all of them. Without them feeling like, oh, if I haven't watched those 24 other movies, this is, you know, I'm never going to catch up. I'm never going to know what's going on. So, a lack of interconnectivity does help them reach that new market that they haven't yet been able to grasp.
0: And speaking of that guy in Greenwich Village with the magical powers, his next movie has In the Multiverse of Madness in the title. They have an opportunity to do this, right? You know. They could, if they wanted to, we don't know if they want to, we don't know if they will, but they could take advantage of it and set up other stories that don't necessarily work in the main timeline and say, okay, it's part of the multiverse.
1: I'm sort of curious, this is maybe
0: a little bit of a tangent,
1: but I'm kind of curious because that reminds me like that's literally what DC strategy is right now. It's like literally opposite, like push as hard into the multiverse as possible. (laughs) And let's give you guys like 10 different Batmans. Right, and I'm sort of curious, um, Ryan and since you are kind of because you are part of Marvel News Desk and you're a little bit more plugged in to that side of things, like is are there any rumbles about Marvel having any actual interest in building out a multiverse in the
2: MCU? Or I haven't heard. I mean, there there has been somewhat confirmation that there will be a multiverse. There was an audition tape, you know, as much as you can take, like one of our audition tapes that that floated around of somebody actually explaining the multiverse. And Doctor Strange. So they're, they're going to go into setting this up. And I think, I mean, I think they've already sort of touched on it, you know, with the different streams in, created by the Infinity Stones when they traveled in Endgame. So I, but I haven't heard anything at this point of like them branching out and having these different universes and having shows that exist in completely different universes. But I think that is definitely a great way for them to go. You know, maybe in this world, maybe in this universe, the New York City that we're seeing, you know, it's dark and gritty because somebody came and stole one of the Infinity Stones long ago and it didn't get put back the right way. But, you know, it's more related to what we what we can see and what, what we understand New York City to be, mm-hmm. if we even understand what New York City is after 2020. Mm-hmm. Um I say, like, having just gone on my afternoon walk down fifth avenue Mm -hmm. so for those that don't know me like i live in new york city i still don't know what new york city is in 2020 there's um so i haven't heard anything about that being definitive yet Mm -hmm. but you know again this is this is like it's like
1: woven into the fabric of comic books right um i remember there were so many theories like before endgame came out you know and that was one of the like one of the theories i was like putting some money on (laughs) like oh surely there's gonna be some confirmation, right? And I guess not. Like, they, they hint at it, but not really. But again, it would be, you know, maybe not to the degree that DC has been doing it, but there is a logical for the universe way of allowing stories to exist just slightly outside of the main narrative.
0: And I mean, DC has used it to make their fans very happy. I'm just thinking about the uh, the Flash incident, where mm-hmm. they had the Flash from the film show up on the Flash TV show saying, what are you talking about? I'm Barry Allen, because he was from another universe. The fans that flipped great. out. They were so excited about it. And yeah, I don't want Marvel to necessarily pander to the fans. I don't want to say that. I-, I think it can go wrong in so many ways when they listen too much to the fans, especially when it comes comes to ships and things like that, it gets a little weird and I think we should let the writers write. They're generally good at what they do. But that was just, that was a moment where DC really made the fans super happy. And it was with this multiverse concept. I
2: I want them to pander to me. Specifically to re. (laughs) To me. I want them to give me what I want.
3: And I mean,
1: you know, just as a reminder, we are the Save Daredevil campaign. We, we have a list of, we do have a list of wants here. Yes. Um, Some Marvel, just, you know... We could, you know, we got some ideas we got some ideas for you but um.
0: we have some ideas but we have never gone as far as to say and the first scene of season one episode, you know we haven't gone oh, that you part. haven't <laughs> but you know what seriously this is this is a true story um, before season three dropped I had this whole laundry list of things in my head that had to happen I had to see them they had to happen and right before the season dropped I kind of had a talk with myself, like, okay, you have to let this go and just enjoy the season. I did not get half of what I wanted in season three, and I don't care because it was brilliant. Like again, as fans, yes, we feel like we have ownership here, but in general, these writers know what they're doing. Marvel, Daredevil was
1: amazing.
0: We guarantee
1: you there are a lot of people out there that would be thrilled for you to pick that property back up, bring back Charlie Cox, make some magic happen again. Maybe that's a good place for us to end this conversation. And yeah, we are going to keep meeting up. We're going to keep talking about all the things that we nerd out about when it comes to Daredevil, in this situation when it comes to Marvel. And, you know, we'd love to hear ideas and questions from you guys. So if you do want to reach out to us, you can do that um, through really any of our social media accounts. We are at Renew Daredevil on Twitter, and we are Save Daredevil on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And, you know, by this point, um, when you're listening to this episode, we might have some cool stuff going on on our social media, including um, some weekly challenges to get the petition numbers up on our Save Daredevil petition. So if you haven't signed it yet, please go to SaveDaredevil.com. Uh, slash petition and that will send you straight to our change.org petition um, follow us on social media because we're going to be doing really cool stuff from now to the end of November and beyond
2: so yeah any other thoughts guys if you really like talking about this stuff we have a great community on our discord as well
1: mm. yes uh, there should be a link if you go to our website um, yeah. in our in the more menu that will be a direct link to the Discord server. If you were, So if you're not a part of it yet, if you click on that link, it will send you straight in and you can join the conversation there. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for coming out
0: and to talk, guys. This was fun. And we're going to definitely do it again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Talk Daredevil, the official podcast of the Save Daredevil campaign. For more information on Save Daredevil, please visit our website at savedaredevil.com. Remember, Murdoch's Always Get Back Up.